20-somethings who are either married or in committed relationships who say their unions are more secure and more honest because they don't believe in monogamy. I just took off my clothes and I had to do it. Talking about swinging, or as it's known now, living in the lifestyle. We're going to have to give you some monogamy. Technically, an orgy requires a minimum of six participants. This is a new generation of swingers. Waves are coming at you on Friday, Saturday, by Sunday, your nuts gonna be drained. Oh. 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 Welcome to Swinging Around the Inaugural Episode. I'm Cal. And I'm JB. We're a conversational podcast about swinging, sex, and everyday life. We're fun, flirtatious, and a little informational. So, Kayla, let's start the show off by talking a little bit about what Swinging Around is. Well, Swinging Around, we're hoping to be a podcast that can fill the niche of the younger swinger perspective. We're younger, and we're, and we're swingers, and in this lifestyle, that is more unique than you'd think. The, uh, the average seems to run a little bit higher. We're in our, we're in our mid-twenties, so we definitely can bring a unique perspective, we feel like, to... To the swinging world, yeah, it, it seems that most most swingers that we come across are in their mid thirties to mid forties, and of course all walks of life. But we're we're a little bit different, just being in the younger crowd. Um, one of the other things that I want to point out about our podcast is that we're trying to keep it light, keep it fun. Um, we want to talk about sex and swinging, but we also want to talk about how they interact with pop culture. We'd like to bring in some information from movies and from the news and from all sorts of types of pop culture, so that might be something else that's unique to our podcast. So. Yeah, we just want to keep things fun. We want to keep it fun and have good discussions and keep keep everything light and fun, and that's sort of the goal, and just go from there. Hopefully have a good time. I know I'll have a good time, maybe later tonight. Ooh, I like it. So let's start off. It's our inaugural podcast, after all. You could say we're breaking our virginity in podcasting for swinging around. So it Popping seems... it good. Popping it good, yeah. It it seems like a good idea for us to start off talking about what swinging is, how we define swinging, how other people may define swinging, different types of swinging. So, Cal, why don't you start off talking about what you define swinging as? Well, what I would define swinging as is different than what I would have defined it as even a few years ago. So let's start off with what you would have defined it as a few years ago. Well, I think I'd better start off with what I would define it as now. Okay. And then, which is what I would say is the the more open way to approach it. In my mind, a swinger is a sexually open individual who is more okay with being open about sexuality and sexual things. And the unique thing about a swinger is that you're you're okay being around other people, being okay with their sexuality, which is you know maybe going to a party or being in a group situation and just expressing that. But the reason that it's different, the, the perspective is different than it would have been maybe a few years ago, I I don't consider, like, I don't think the prerequisite to swinging or the requirement is that you have to, is, is that you have to play with others. I think that there's parties, there's hotel parties or get-togethers or gatherings, and I think if you even go there, just to watch and be part of the sexy atmosphere, I would say that those individuals are swingers. I would say just watchers are swingers. I would say that, I mean, everything from just being a voyeur at, at, at these parties all the way up to a full swap couple. 
and we'll talk about all, what all those things are in a, in a little bit, but if you know what those things are, you know, that's the full spectrum right there pretty much. Um, so, so I'm going to stop you there because you've covered a lot of topics in about a minute and a half of time. So let's go back and pick this apart a little bit because I found your initial definition of swinging to be pretty interesting because you started off saying that a swinger is someone who is open to sexuality and open to being around other people who are open to sexuality. And then you added a qualifier that they're being sexual with one another. But until you added that qualifier, it sounded to me initially like a swinger was just a sex-positive person. And that's not the case until you added the qualifier that a swinger is someone who's open and, and being sexually active with other people. But I think in order to be a swinger, the prerequisite is that you are open and sex-positive. Because if you don't initially start off with that openness and willingness to talk about sex, then you're never going to get to that swinger stage or lifestyle stage. I agree. So I think you made a really interesting point about the definition of a swinger, because in order to become or get to that point, you have to be open. I think there are people out there who are precluded or you know might be swingers or could be a swinger, but they're just not open with their partner in such a way to be able to say, hey, I'm thinking about having sex with other people, or wouldn't it be hot if we watched another couple have sex? I mean, I think there's all kinds of people that have those types of thoughts that are open, and so they don't end up going down, down that pathway. And I guess the, the, the definition is kind of a, a loose one, just because my, my definition includes people who go to swinger parties and don't do anything but watch, but if they didn't go to a swinger party, you know, they would just be a sexually open, you know, you could just be a sexually open couple who's okay with things. It's that added layer of being around other people. They might not actually play themselves, but being there, you know, it's it's that you know it's that catchphrase. It's it's the lifestyle because there's there's so many different aspects of the lifestyle that, like, like I said, you can be a watcher all the way up to a full swap couple who goes bareback. So, JB, let's hear about your your definition and your perspective on swinging and what swinging is. Well, I think we might have come on the swinging uh, perspective a little bit prematurely, because um, we haven't told our listeners who we are, so they're probably wondering, why should we care who this JB and Cal are, and why should we listen to them? Um, so I kind of want to go back and, and talk about that. So, we're married. Uh, we've been married for a little over five years. We've been in the lifestyle for a little over two years, but... I mean, that's officially in the lifestyle, but I'd like to think that you and I are actually, we've been sort of voyeuristic and outside of the norm and, and sort of lifestyle-ish since we've been dating, maybe even since before we were even together. I think it's part of our natural personalities. I mean, we've always looked for new toys, new positions, pushing the boundaries a little bit, don't you think? Exactly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I feel like that's, it's just in who you are, and we, we've we always been sexually adventurous. I mean, public sex from the very beginning of our relationship has always been something that, you know, was exciting and exhilarating and something that we was, was, was always something we were looking to do. Like, we somewhere, it was, it was like conquest. Where have we not had sex outside yet? Or where where have we not done it yet? You know, have we done it in my office, in your office? At, Can we get away with doing it in my parents' bathroom while they're home? You know, it's always the, where could we get caught? Or... Not that we wanted to get caught. I don't know. Maybe secretly a part of us did want to get caught. Or being a part of the Mile High Club. Yep, that's right. We've had sex in a airplane bathroom. Not comfortable. Not the most enjoyable. But we did on, it, nonetheless. <laughs> on our honeymoon on the way to Hawaii. So that was pretty fun. And, I mean, it's cool, I mean, to, to be able to say, like, you are part of the Mile High Club. Yep. I have friends who are... I mean, because 
people joke about joke around about it, but I, th- I think he can get in pretty big trouble for doing it. Probably, especially these days since since uh, 2001, you know. Yeah. So so getting back to, to who we are, we're two open, honest, adventurous people. Um, we are under 30, so that's something that I think is unique in the swinging world because I think a lot of couples, they get together, they get established, they become you know, together and established for many years before they end up entering the swinging community. And most people don't get married at the age that we did. We were uh, 22 when we got married, so that's that's pretty young. So from our experience, most of the swingers that we run into are, you know, upper 30s, mid 40s, and, and higher. So we're definitely part of the young crowd. And, and that provides kind of a unique opportunity for this podcast because we're going to grow. And as we grow, the podcast will grow and, you know, our perspectives will change and you guys as listeners will get to watch that unfold as as, as we change and, and grow. Yeah, that'll be the interesting thing about this podcast is, you know, this is our first episode and we've only been in our lifestyle for a few years. We're fairly young. I wouldn't say we're new to the lifestyle because we've been in it for a while. You know, we've had a decent number of experiences, but we still always get the, oh, you guys are young whenever we go somewhere. Yeah, you know, the swinger events. Cause, cause yeah, because I mean, there's the are. initial sort of skepticism, too, about us a little bit. But Until we tell people that we're married. They, I think they tend to be a little bit skeptical because skeptical, they want to make sure that we're strong in our relationship first so that there's no drama. It's good, it's good that you mentioned that because you're right. It is, everybody wants to know in the swinging community that you're, you're good in your relationship because everybody is, you know, a little, you know, a little questionable if you meet a couple who's, you know, they have relationship problems. Everybody is in this, for the most part, I mean, there are exceptions, but most people are in this because, you know, their relationship's good, and they're just looking to add to it. I mean, that's all you ever hear is, you know, our relationship's great, we enjoy, we know, we love each other, we have a great relationship, but we're just looking to spice it up, to add to add more to it, you know, to bring more to the bedroom, mm-hmm. because there's only so much you can do in the bedroom with just, you know, just two people. Yep. Uh, that's what I love about the Sweden community as, as a whole. Um, and this probably extends to the polyamory community and other communities out there, is that they're accepting and open, and more than anything, they are strong in their relationship. Again, as you said, there's exceptions to the rule, but really pretty much everybody we've met is committed and to their partner, and they're not looking to replace their partner. They're looking to find things and enjoy things that they cannot do with just their partner alone. And... and uh, that's fun and it's interesting and and I think seeing these other couples that have such strong relationships and spending time with them in a way it almost uh, strengthens our relationship too. Oh yeah, I I think mainstream society would think that this is crazy, but I think swinging will take a, a good relationship and strengthen it e- even further because it forces you to have to really communicate. I mean, if you don't communicate, you're not going to survive in this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just not going to because it, you have to communicate. You have to really be on the same basis. You have you have to know what the big thing is. What are your rules? Like every couple knows their like between between the two of them, they've come up with their own boundaries. On I'm smelling another podcast topic there. Rules. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, I think. So it's interesting to me that you brought up what other people will think. Because that reminds me that I haven't shared my perspective on what the definition of swinging is. And it's kind of related to society and what other people would think. So, But I do want to get back to that communication piece, too. So don't let me forget. So getting back to what my definition of swinging is, is it, it pretty much agrees with what you were saying, that a swinger 
or swingers, people in the lifestyle, are people who are open sexually with others outside of their own relationship. People who watch other people have sex in person, have sex next to other people, having sex, have sex with other people. All these sorts of activities, I think, fall within the bounds of being a swinger or being in the lifestyle. Basically, the the only prerequisite, you know, you got to be open and you got to... It usually, you know, it has to be involved, like sort of a group setting. You know, it has to be you, your spouse, and another couple at a minimum, and then. Well, I mean, not necessarily. I think it could just be one other person. I mean, that's kind of what uh, the term unicorn out is out there for—just single women who join couples in in bed and and allow the woman to have the girl-on-girl bisexual experience, or allow the man to have the two women, you know threesome experience, I think in a way that's a type of swinging too. So oh, yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be a You're group You're right, I was, I was expecting, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be a group of four, but it has to be at least three. There's got to be at least... Well, yeah, uh, so it's introducing anybody outside mm-hmm. of your marriage, yes. in, in anybody, marriage or couple relationship. Yeah, if you introduce anybody outside your relationship, then I think that that's, that's swinging. Yep. So what I think is interesting is how my perspective on swinging or definition of swinging has changed. Because if you were to ask me a few years ago what I thought swinging was, I would give you a very negative definition and and you know it'd be similar to what we're saying it is now where it's two couples who swap and just have sex with someone else i mean that that was my pretty narrow-minded definition of swinging but i had never been exposed to the lifestyle and, and really the only thing i knew about swinging is what i'd seen on tv or seen and heard on the radio or you know wherever in pop culture i've been exposed to it and it was never portrayed in this positive sort of fashion it was always um, like in the movie Swinging with the Finkelsteins, it's a couple whose marriage is in trouble, someone wants to cheat or has already cheated, and swinging is their alternative to try and stay together. Um, that's that's how I always saw swinging. You know, that's just the mainstream perspective on swinging, you know, and then and then you then you learn. But yeah, that's, that's just what everybody thinks about it until you actually get into it. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that that's how it is, because then it forces swingers to, in a way, be in the closet. I mean, we haven't told anybody that we have extramarital relationships with other people, sex with other people, um, and I'm not ready to tell anybody that, my family, my friends, anybody. It's, it's, I'm thinking it's no, no one's business in the first place, but even if it were, it's not something that I'd be ready to share with other people. You know, that's, that's an interesting aspect because something that, you know, I don't think either one of us had thought about was the secretiveness that, you know, that comes with this lifestyle, the double agentness that you know you have this secret life that nobody else knows about because for, for with the exception of a very few percentage of, of swingers who have actually decided to come out and let people know what they're all about most everybody in the lifestyle wants to stay discreet I mean discretion mm-hmm. is you know you always read on people's profiles when you talk to people in person that discretion is a must yep because you don't mix your vanilla friends and your swinger friends because somebody might slip and say something mm-hmm. right it's like a whole different secret life that everybody has, strictly just because of the way society society looks still looks down upon it. I mean, it's it's interesting. You don't think about the way that this community is is regarded in mainstream society until you're actually in it, because you know the positives that are. You're part of mainstream society in a way, or at least I was, because I shared the same definition as mainstream society. I didn't think swingers were people who respected one another. I certainly didn't think swingers were people who had good marriages, and. You know, with that definition, it's probably surprising to the listeners that we have even ended up entering into this realm, but it's because we are open and honest and communicated that 
naturally progressed into the swigging lifestyle without really giving it thought, without ever stopping to say, let's be swingers. I don't think we ever had the conversation that, yes, we want to swing. It was, what do we want to do to spice up our, our life in the bedroom? This is what we want to do. Oh, by the way, I think that's called swinging. Well, yeah, the, for the longest time, you know, you shy away from the term swinging because, you know, it is a bad word. I mean, everybody, you know, you almost think you're... You're, you're more open, your swingers sort of even can have a sort of elitist attitude towards how open they are for in, in terms of sex. Like, it's almost like oh, you know better than if, the rest if, of the world. If you're not a swinger, you're not, you know, you're not as good as us because we know, you know, we, we've been enlightened. And I mean, I don't, guess... Don't get me wrong, people who are new to the swinger community, swingers don't walk around with big heads. I have yet to see anybody who's actually behaves really that way. I think it's more of just kind of a thought. And, um, yeah. It's not a behavior that I've really witnessed. It's it's a mental state that it's, it's it's being open and it's being you sort of look down upon individuals who look down upon swinging. But, you know, as being part of mainstream society you, you, unless you are a hermit, you know, you're part of mainstream society. And so you have this... You Hermits know, need sex too. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you just grow up hearing that sex is between two people. Yep, and then once you get married, that's it. One penis for the rest of your life. I'm sorry. I, I enjoy penis too much. I want another penis in my mouth. I know. I, and You want a penis in your mouth too? No, no, but I love pussy, and I love eating it, and the variety is always fun. And I like to watch you eat it. Being part of mainstream society, you just grow up with these thoughts, you know, just the, the way that sex should be. You know, it should be... Mm-hmm between it's it's moving away from that it needs to be just between a married couple i think that that's that's mm-hmm. that's out it. and, and it's moving away from it needs to be between a man and a woman which i think is good as well but it's still very much that it needs to be between two people it needs yep. to be i mean society is okay with serial monogamy but monogamy is still the reigning pre, mm-hmm. pre, predominant thought in, in society but i mean everybody says that they're monogamous for the most part at best you're a serial monogamous yeah and you know it's funny that you bring that up, too, because I actually, even now, have a hard time admitting that we're non-monogamous. I, there's something about that phrase in my head that it makes me cringe a little bit, because emotionally, I am attached to you. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in love, we're married, we're going to stay married, and there's nobody else that I'd want to spend the rest of my life with. Like, I am absolutely very much committed to you. So saying that I'm not monogamous, it, it's almost like it, it puts a little bit of a strain on that. So I... I don't like using that definition, but really it's non-monogamous in a sexual aspect as opposed to in a relationship aspect. And that's, I think, what separates the swinger community from the polyamory community, where, you know, there's some overlap between swingers and polyamory, but the polyamory community is more, I would say, non-monogamous in both the sexual aspect and the relationship aspect. Swingers try to stay emotionally monogamous, I would say, for the most part, and... Mm -hmm. Oh, they can still form friendships, so it's not the same kind yeah, of bond yeah, that you have with your partner. Polyamory, in the polyamory lifestyle, you can have more than one, not not only more than, more than one sexual partner, but more than one emotional partner as well, where if you're actually married, the law only lets you be married to one individual, but in your head, you know, you could have a husband and another individual who would be your lover, but... Like your but, spouse. But, like but you could have almost be, two spouses they, or something. They'd be like a second spouse. I mean, you're forming emotional relationships with more than one person. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where the swinging community is is very different from the polyamory community. And there is overlap. There's The, the lines are 
so sort of blurry. Right. When, I mean, when especially you when, when you're in the like dating section where you're getting to know another couple, and you might start to really form that you know tight, strong friendship or bond or you know feelings for one another. You might be a swinger and develop kind of a polyamorous type relationship with with another couple at some point, or maybe it's only with one other couple and it goes away, but you don't actually actively seek that out. Or there's some overlap between the two. So now that we've talked a little bit about polyamory, I think it's a good idea if we talk a little bit more about this spectrum that we've alluded to. We've talked about, oh, there's people who just watch, and there's people who full swap or soft swap, but let's let's spend a little bit of time talking about that. From our experiences, there's people who like to just watch other people having sex. I'd kind of put that sort of at the, the bottom of the swinging spectrum, sort of dipping your toe in, getting to see what it's like. Um, and some people, that's all they ever do, and that's perfectly acceptable, and I think it's perfectly hot to watch another couple have sex and, and either masturbate while it's happening or maybe go back home and have, you know, hot, sweaty, glorious sex thinking of the other people having sex. So I, I think that's kind of where it starts, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree. And then would you put people who only like to be watched? I mean, there's people because there's, also the, oh, cu- yeah, there's yeah. also the couples who find it odd just to, just to watch people and you know they'll go I, I think that's actually kind of us a little bit where we like to go to the after parties when at, at when, swinging when we events go to swinging parties yeah. and you know I think we like to do stuff so I think that, that I think that that's very much in line with um, mm-hmm. you know the sort of the lower level of, yeah. of swinging people who like to watch people who yep. like to people like to act and right. not I, do as much watching I like to know that I'm turning other people on I find that really hot I love to turn you on it I love to see you go from flaccid to super boner, you know, that really turns me on. So I like to be watched. I like to have other people stand around while you fuck me. And I I like knowing that it turns them on. So that's one aspect. I think that when we first started talking about getting into the lifestyle, that was one of the first things that we talked about. Like, how hot would it be if other people were watching us have sex? And not just, like, through the internet, but in right there live and in person where maybe they could reach out and touch a titty or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's sort of one one those end are, of the spectrum. Those are two extremes of the of the lower end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so then from there you can move on to couples who are maybe a little bit more adventurous and like to have sex next to another couple um, on the same bed or in the same room, but still with their significant other. And I think that's pretty hot as well. I don't know that there's a specific term for that. Uh, yeah, I guess actually it's called same room sex. Yeah, yeah, just monogamous group sex is quite often how people will yep. people will describe it. So after monogamous group sex, I think sort of the next in line on the spectrum would be people who have threesomes or people who soft swap. And the definition of soft swap that we're familiar with may be different in other swinging communities, but what we're familiar with in our swinging community is couples who are willing to have oral sex in a swap situation, but not sexual intercourse. So those are couples who are okay with one partner, you know, eating the pussy of another partner. And it, it might be the wife is allowed to eat other women out, but the men, the husband can't. Or maybe the husband can and the wife can suck other cocks. Or, you know, there's, there's that's why it really is truly a spectrum, because every couple is into and okay with something different. It comes down to a lot of times, I mean, there's overarching labels, you know, soft swap, but even then, you always have to verify with a couple, like, exactly what that means for them, because soft swap, just like you said, soft swap includes everything from 
It from, may include kissing. It might not include yeah, kissing. Yeah, from, or... from touching. I mean, usually, I think, from what we've experienced, the general consensus for soft swapping is oral sex between any people is acceptable, either between opposite genders or the female genders. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, it's not necessarily... Not, I mean, we, we've run across couples where the woman's allowed to play with other women, but she mm-hmm. can't play with other men. And the man can't play with other women or something, where it's strictly a bisexual female playtime, but everyone else has to stick to their own partners. I mean, we've, we've been in all kinds of situations. And, and so that is the spectrum, so to speak, of, of what we know as soft swap. Mm-hmm. And then the next level, if you want to think of them as levels, um, not that one is better than the other, they're all unique and different and, and fun in their own ways, is the full swap experience. And that's when couples actually do engage in full sexual intercourse, and in my head that's vaginal or anal, with a member of the other sex. Or the other, not sex necessarily, but a member of the other party. Mm-hmm. So that would be, I have some sort of penetration, penetrative sex with the other woman or the other man or, or vice versa. And this is something that, at the moment, Cal and I do not partake in, but we do, we know couples who do, and it's something that we've discussed. And, you know, we might get there at some point, but at this point in time, it's not something that we do. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 good to bring up because, yes, we are a we are still a soft swap couple. And I was just getting ready to ask you, you started bringing up, I was just getting ready to ask, what is it, well, why are there different levels? And why are some couples at one level and some couples at a different level? And I think for us, it comes down to what we're comfortable with right now. But for us, the furthest we are, we want to go is to be soft swap. We're just not, it's just, full swap isn't something that we want to emotionally commit to right now because Every time you do something new, you sort of have to stop and evaluate. And we're going to talk about this in a future episode. We're going to, to spend a lot of time talking about jealousy because that's a huge part of what people have to deal with. And you have to be able to handle and be able to learn and grow with and be able to control your jealousy. And Not only jealousy, but just a fear of the unknown and, and the possible consequences. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what keeps us from, from doing full swap. I think... Together, we fully understand why we're not doing full swap, but I think that there's a lot of couples out there who set rules because they don't know what their reaction would be or why they would react in a certain way or what their partner's reaction well, would be. I think that that's, you know, that's true for us. I mean, the reason that, you know, we've talked a lot about it. We spent a lot, a, 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 quite a lot of time talking about, like, what we're comfortable with, and every time that you do something new, even within soft swap, how much kissing is involved, how much... Everything requires a discussion, and we spend a lot of time talking about why we aren't full swap, and comes down to the reasons that we've listed. We're we're still dealing with, I mean, I think we've come a, a very long ways, but I mean, there's still you know twinges of jealousy that come into play, and there's twinges of that. But then there's also, you said, I think a pretty big portion is the fear of the unknown. We haven't done that yet. We're enjoying where we're at. Let's just keep it where we're at, and we're even at the soft swap level. And because we're we our relationship is fantastic, and you got to take the steps. Every couple you have to take the steps that you're comfortable with. Every couple is going to be different. Every couple is going to be more comfortable doing things at a certain pace versus another couple. And for us, soft swap is where we're comfortable with right now. And eventually, maybe we'll progress to full swap. Yeah, I just want to talk about why a couple might stay at a certain level, which is what we've done and what a lot of people do. Yep, and, and I think we'll talk about that more in the next episode when we get to talking about fear and jealousy. Um, so I think that's that's a really uh, topic that takes a lot of discussion and needs a lot of discussion. But I want to get back to the point that you made about 
how much kissing is okay, because that kind of gets back to what is swinging and what's the spectrum and why it's different for everybody, because I think comfort level and location in this swinging spectrum in some cases depends on who you're with. You might be reluctant to spend a lot of time making out with a couple that you've already established a friendship with because of the fear of becoming emotionally attached. Or, or so, you know, your rules with one particular couple might be different than they are with another couple. Or you might be with a couple that's full swap and typically you're soft swap, but maybe there's, uh, maybe the male tends to be more aggressive and so you, you want to keep it as just same room sex. Or it's, you know, you set your rules, but then even within those rules, I think that there's opportunity for variation as long as it's discussed. I think in most cases you'll find couples who have set rules and then perhaps do less than their set rules, but usually don't necessarily do more in the heat of the moment, or at least to try not to, because that's that's where communication issues start to become a problem. Everybody, communication and what's happening in the moment, what feels right. I mean, we will play with couples who are, you know, they say they're full swap, but they actually haven't full swapped at any, at any event that we've been at, where there's mm-hmm. been multiple couples who would be willing to full swap. They haven't actually full swapped. Um, right. And so, so maybe in their head, that's what they define themselves. But in the public eye, that's not really, you know, what they display themselves as. And there's one other part of the the lifestyle community that we haven't spent much time talking about, and that's the single people. Because there's single people in the lifestyle community too. There's single females in the lifestyle community. Unicorn. They tend to be called unicorns. Yep. And that's because they're kind of the rarity. You but they're could not say. as not as rare as you would think. Um, <laughs> They're called unicorns, and I, th- I think that that term, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is true, but I think that might be a term that is from the non-swinging community, because I think in the non-swinging community, they're probably a single female who's looking to get involved with a couple who where she's not from the swinging community at all. I think that is pretty rare, but within the lifestyle, I don't feel like single females are actually as rare well, as you think. But I don't think bisexual females are rare. I don't know about single females. I be well, interesting to what look about into. single bisexual females? Oh, they're all well. <laughs> there's bisexual females all over the place. I'm not sure about the single ones. So I, I don't know. It's worth looking into. But there's there's also single men who like would like to be associated with the swinging community. And from our experiences, most swinging establishments don't allow single men, or they do at a, at a much higher fee if they're going to a club or a party. Or in many cases, they actually require the single man to to be with a couple, sort of endorsed by the couple that they're not going to be a creep and I I really like that about the swinging community because it, it keeps people from being hounded by by horny men. Not that horny women aren't around too. There's plenty of horny women, don't get me wrong, but there, there's just something that's a turn off about a single man thinking that a uh, swinger party is a meat fest. And so well, yeah, I really they, like that you know, you, we're protected from that. You know that look at it as a buffet. Yeah. Everybody here wants to fuck. Everybody here wants to fuck me. I'm the single guy but that's not the case. No. But it is interesting to bring up the disparity between gender and what's acceptable in the swinging community because, you know, single females are really highly regarded and people want to be with them. There's a lot of couples like with who have bisexual, where the female is bisexual. Right. But single females aren't necessarily thought of as being predatory, predatory, but men just in general are usually thought as thought of as being predators. I think that's kind of, you know, and, and being the alpha male or being mm-hmm. wanting to be man in charge, and that's a turnoff in, in the swinging community, or at least it is a turnoff to me. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who welcome and are open to single men if they want that threesome experience, but personally, I can get the threesome experience by being with another couple with the woman on the side. Mm-hmm. 
And there's a disparity in another avenue between the genders that exists in the speaking community, and that's that bisexual females are very common and very accepted, whereas bisexual males are not, which is interesting. Females can play together, and it is what it is. I'm straight myself, but I find it very interesting how much of a problem that community as a whole has with bisexual males. It's People are very quick to say, I'm straight, and not let to be play, where it's, where it's I don't know. I mean, we haven't asked for it, so I'd, I'd be curious to know if you were to ask a man if he'd be willing to do something in the bisexual realm. You know, and, and the only reason I say that is because from having listened to other swinging podcasts, I I think there are other swingers out there with a different perspective than what we have about we, the, the bisexual yeah. male community. I, I, I think We haven't sought out a bisexual male, we nor have we really we, come across one. There's that sense in the community. I mean, you talk to people, and bisexual males, people either sort of look down upon. And Honestly, I wouldn't mind bringing one into the bedroom. I'd have well, fun with it. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. And I, it's just interesting to me that bisexual females are okay. And, I mean, that's the way it goes in mainstream society as well, that two girls kissing on TV is a pretty hot scene, and two guys kissing, while it's becoming more common, is usually still joked around about as being gross. And I like it. <laughs> I, I like gay porn. I'll admit it. I, I like to watch two men together, so... Well then, yeah, you like the you have you like to have a bisexual. <laughs> I do. Bring it on. That's 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 my porn experience yeah, right there. I don't, so I don't know how much I would want to be involved in that. Well, I I would never ask you to do anything that you are uncomfortable with, but at the same time, I I would be open to to playing around with with a bisexual male. That being said, we haven't come across any males that are openly bisexual. I wouldn't be surprised if, if there are you know bisexual males in, in within the group of people that we swing with at the local club, but. They're not open about it simply because of, of what you're saying, this uh, stigma about it or something, that they, they perceive that there's this negative uh, connotation towards it. And I think it's only perceived. I don't know. So we've talked about the various definitions of the types of swinging that there are. Let's move on to, you know, how does somebody swing? Where do you go to do this? How would you get involved in it? And it's, it's something that we just want to touch on in this in our first show because we're going to expand it out you know, to his own episode a little bit down the line. But we just want to touch on it right now because it's an important part. If you want to start swinging, it's not obvious. It's not immediately obvious to, to know where to go. It certainly wasn't obvious to us. Um, we just started off, I remember Googling swinging. And, of course, you get the Wikipedia definition and all kinds of different things, all kinds of porn pop up. And I think I ended up narrowing it to our state and then swinging. We're in Michigan, so I think I, I did a search for Michigan swinging and... I came across the Swing Lifestyle website, which is how we access the swinging community. There's a number of other websites out there. Cassidy is another popular swinging community website that's out there. And most of our experience is going through websites like Swing Lifestyle, SLS. And you can create a profile on there, kind of like you create a profile for Facebook and search for other couples, look for events that are near you. It's like online dating for couples. I mean, it is, Pretty much, yeah. You, I mean, you make a profile. I mean, just like eHarmony or those other sites, you, mean, you make a profile and you try to... It doesn't do... It doesn't profi- match it, for you it, or it, anything. Yeah, you, it, you have to do that on your own. It doesn't do profile matching, but you got to look at your profiles yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the fun is going through and looking at profiles. It's sexy. So that's where we that's, started. Yep. We, you know, we made a profile. And then... You There's find- other ways to meet couples, too. We actually hooked up with a couple that uh, got into swinging through Craigslist. And through probably the casual encounters or something like that, and, and putting in ads and looking for other people up in ads. 
I don't know that I would endorse that method. Yeah, but that method that seems a little. There's risky, people who do it that but way. But it worked. It worked and it's out. Worked. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think the predominant way to do it now, and I feel like I don't even know how I would do it in the pre-internet age. I mean, there was definitely swinging in the pre-internet, but now the way to do it is just find whatever website that you know that looks like a site you want to get involved with. And I think I've gathered that sites are kind of region specific. Like I know. Swing Lifestyle is very, very prominent here. You talk to couples, and everybody's on Swing Lifestyle. That's in the a, Midwest. That's the site they use. We've well, met couples from Ohio and Indiana. And yeah. Yeah. Illinois, maybe, too. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And then we know that, you know, in other parts of the country, Cassidy is a big one. And um, there's a w- website called Lifestyle Lounge, which I don't know much about, but I know that it's big in certain in certain regional locations as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the creating an online profile for for you and your significant other is a good way to do it. And then then typically the way that we did it is there's event listings. You know, you'll see a, there's there's event listings that will have hotel parties, which are usually there's a dance portion followed by, you know, the hot, sexy after party. And mm-hmm. then there's also individuals who just have postings or having house parties. And, and there's meet and greets, too, where you could just go to a bar that's going to have a bunch of other swinger couples there. I mean, some, some people are shy and, and want to be in a larger group setting so that they can just sit and watch and not have to actually participate, and, and other people might want to be in a smaller group setting. So there, there's all kinds of types of activities to choose from. Or you might decide that a party's not for you and you just want to chat up another couple and start up a close, close friendship. Mm-hmm. And a lot of couples choose to start chatting through something like a Yahoo Instant Messenger. It's very much like dating, um, mm-hmm. but you're getting to know two people in a couple situation, there has to be that bond between both sides of the couple in many cases. And then typically, if you feel like you have some chemistry with the, pro, with the couple, maybe you've had some back and forth emails, you can set up, you know, it's not uncommon to set up and have, get together, get some drinks, get dinner, go Some from people there. might do play on the first date, some mm-hmm. couples don't play sometimes, on the first date. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes you really have to, like, court them and take two or three dates. Exactly. I mean, everything's different and everything's had a, its own pace. We've had it both ways. I mean, we've not played on the first time we've met up with a couple and sometimes we have. It's kind of just, we've found that we typically just go with the flow but there's some couples who they, you know, they're only out for sex and those are the couples that we try to stay away from and they're the ones who they expect things on, you know, the first time you meet up and those are couples that we try to avoid. And you can usually tell that when you're talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, through through the instant messenger, however you're choosing to chat. So so that's just a little flavor of mm-hmm. some of the different ways that one can can start to get into swinging. There's a lot more to it to what the house parties are like, and the in the hotel parties, and and even just getting together with another couple. What what you might expect. So we'll cover that at another time. But we just thought it would be a good idea to throw out there our experiences and how to get started. Yeah, yeah, how to get started, and basically it all starts from starting an online profile and going from there. At least from our experience, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think from here we've, we've pretty much wrapped up what swinging is, or at least our impressions of what swinging is. So now we want to introduce you listeners to a couple of segments that we want to have on a pretty regular basis in our episodes. Our first segment, Sexy News. Uh, all the American troops pulling out help the situation. Oh, no. So if you think you're going to, you want the money shot of them with their arms in the air, you're going to get it. It's in both of their self-interest right now. Did you say the money shot? Yeah. The money shot. You know, yeah. And Belinda, I just can't understand how something so small can be so impressive. Well, Mark, you would know about that. So this is our segment, 
where we give you a couple of articles that we've read recently about sex or funny sexual things. Cal, what do you think about this? The other day I uh, came across the Huffington Post, and they had this article about a couple of buddies that came home, and they heard some banging, some romping going on in their housemate's bedroom, so they thought... I'm getting hard already. Yeah, I know. So they thought it would be funny to play a joke on their housemate, and they started to record the sounds. And they were just getting ready to post it up to Twitter or YouTube or something, and their housemate's door opens, and who comes out? Not their housemate. A couple of random strangers. Apparently they had just broke in, decided to bang, and leave. That, they just broke in and wanted to bang? That was yeah, it? Yeah, that, that's it. So this is according to the Huffington Post. Um, I guess they, they did call the police. They decided not to press charges. And what's funny is the next day, a couple of friends of the girl who was at the house came by because apparently she ran out so fast she left a couple of clothing behind. I wonder if, you know, maybe bra and underwear? I wonder what she oh, left behind. Oh, so, so it was the friend who was there? Uh, the friends of the girl came back to pick up her stuff. Nobody oh, nobody knew these strangers. Okay, nobody knew that. They just randomly banged in someone's bed. And then they, they had the audacity to come back and yeah, try to and get their stuff. try to get their stuff, yeah. I thought that that's, was pretty funny. That's and funny. They posted on Twitter, um, strangers banging in my room. <laughs> that's funny. funny. Yeah. And they called the cops on them? Yeah, but they didn't press charges, so... Funny, sexy news. Any other news that you you know about? Well, the the big one is what's going on in California. The big sex news is that Proposition B that's going on, Measure B. That's right. That's specific to the L.A. County that's going on. The big thing that you hear all about is that they're trying to introduce condoms into be mandatory that condoms will be used in porn. There's other aspects of the bill, including... Every porn production company will have to be, have, be filed with the county, that they'll have to, all the producers, directors, everybody in, I believe it's everybody involved in the production, at least everybody high up in the production is going to be required to take a bloodborne pathogen class and to show that they pass that. Now that doesn't seem like such a big deal, to have to take a bloodborne pathogen class and to, to have to be registered. No, 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 those actually seem like good things, but the controversy comes into what I mentioned already, the mandatory condom use for any intercourse that is portrayed on screen, including vaginal and um, anal. And the wording of the bill is very vague, where it seems like it could be interpreted by the politicians, whoever wants to interpret it, that it's include toys and fingers and... And anything, even oral sex, it sounds and, like, and, as well. And anything yeah. oral being used. The wording is very, very ambiguous as to... Because they in, in one section they define sex as vaginal and anal anal intercourse but then another in another section they talk about adult films and video and sex as being any films that portray anal vaginal penetration be it with fingers toys mm-hmm. um in in, in objects or anything right. so it sounds like the politicians can apply it any way they want to exactly and, exactly and i guess the people at home are saying well why should i care about this and and really the big reason is that the majority of the porn that that we watch that's produced pornographic movies, things a lot of internet websites and Cause, such cause, cause, are cause coming out of L.A. County. I mean, that's that's one of the big areas that porn's produced at. One of the biggest, probably the biggest, is producer of, of pornographic content because it's legal there. A lot of states in the in the U.S. pornographic content's not not allowed to be filmed. I don't believe it's legal to do in Michigan. It is a big deal because that would force the majority of our porn that's created to either move to a different location. And we do assume that or, all of you listening watch porn as oh well. Oh yeah, you better watch porn. So so this is a big deal because a lot of the porn that's being produced may either have to move or integrate condoms into it. And I don't know about you, I don't want to see 
sex with a condom because when I watch porn, it's it's kind of a fantasy setting. It's a, it's a different setting. It's, it's not as hot. It's it's not like seeing that condom makes it more realistic and it takes me out of the um, the sexy zone, so to speak. I don't like seeing a condom in porn. And as I've said, I I do like to watch gay porn and. There's a lot of condom use, actually, in gay porn, and, and I try to avoid those videos because it's just not as sexy. Well, I in the porn that I watch as well, and the porn that we watch together, which is usually um, heterosexual porn, and I, and I suppose they're trying to be responsible and do the right thing, but it's just not as hot. This is going to affect everyone. I, I don't think that anyone really wants to have condom use in porn, and I've heard, we've heard that it's really just L.A. County just trying to get the porn industry out. Um mm-hmm. So I, I think one of the other things that's worth mentioning is that, you know, L.A. County's argument for wanting to do this is that they want to keep the community safe and keep the community disease-free and to protect the porn stars, protect them from getting these sexually transmitted diseases. That's why I think it's worth stating that, according to uh, Having Sex with Katie Morgan, another podcast that we actually listened to, um, they had a whole episode about Proposal B, if you want to learn more about it. They've said that, at least at the moment, testing is required to be done every two weeks. I mean, that's pretty frequent. And that's... the bill doesn't include anything about testing, other than the, it says, you know, the bloodborne pathogen class that producers have to make. Right. But it actually and... doesn't even say that the performers have to take this, um, this right. the bloodborne pathogen right. class. Right. I wonder if it's it's not as stringent in that case. And Although, it doesn't mention testing. It I does mean... mention pre-existing laws. It does mention a pre-existing law, and it also mentions that each production company has to have a, a plan for keeping its members safe. So I wonder if it's you know, somewhere in that provision, it's just not necessarily spelled out because it's already a pre-existing law. Because I mean, it does say it, it, it doesn't negate any currently existing laws, it just adds to it. So the, I imagine there's building on, on an infrastructure that's already there. And the porn industry will move somewhere else. I mean, I believe that, I, and that's what people in the industry say. I, I feel like there's legitimacy in that, just because if they were really serious about protecting the industry from STDs and being and completely being safe, they would put a, a provision in, in there regarding um, testing, regular testing, be it monthly. Right now, yeah, so uh, we've, we've heard of the, that they're doing bi-weekly testing, and this measure doesn't mention anything about testing. Yeah. So I, I, wonder I just if, wonder if that, are, if that already exists, and so that, that's why they're in the provision. I, I, I wonder if just to stay compliant, you know, they'll, the porn industry, if they stay, will do all of these things, that the measure says, but yeah. back off of the testing. I, I hope they stay as the rigorous. And then have the um, have sex or have diseases break out anyway. Yeah, have the STDs become more rampant because because people are having sex outside of the law without the condoms. I mean, supposedly if you use a condom, they'll protect you from from the diseases, but that's not always the case. I think that testing and keeping people who test positive out of the porn industry is really the way to go. I agree. I so, agree. so for those of you who are in California, any of you who are listening, um, hopefully you'll hear this in time for the big votes, so that you can vote no on Proposal B. Um, everybody else in the outside of the LA County, obviously, we won't be able to vote on it, but we are impacted by it. So it's worthwhile to be educated and knowledgeable about what's going on in other parts of the country. And let's keep condoms out of our porn. Come on, I don't think that it, I don't think that the government needs to regulate. I think self-regulation. I mean, there's already porn studios that are condom use only. Mm-hmm. And if there's already sort of self-regulation that's going on, there's the testing that is going on within yep. the industry. Let's just keep the government out of it and... And self-regulate, if you keep, want. Let's, let's keep condoms off the cocks. I like that. So we'll wrap up Sexy News and have one more segment for you guys that we think is kind of fun. And that is... 
hot scenes. Boobs! Boob, boob, boob! Boobs and bush! Boobs and bush! Good boobs. Those are good ones. We're like 35 seconds in. Nice. Credit bush. You never get opening credit bush. I know, it's crazy. In this segment, we talk about scenes that got us going this week. Sexy, sexy. In honor of Halloween, this week we watched Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, starring Tom Cruise from 1999. He's a hottie. I didn't mind watching him at all in this movie. But really, what we want to focus on is the sex scene, which I found to be incredibly hot. Yeah, it's very hot, this, and very fitting for this podcast. The scene is in the middle of the movie. We don't want to give away too much if you haven't seen it, but Tom Cruise ends up at a uh, at a sex party. It's, it's a unique sex party. Not um, too unlike a swinger party. It's quite hot. It's very hot, but pretty creepy. I, we don't want to give away too much for those of you who may not have seen the movie. But if you haven't seen the movie, definitely check it out. I would say imagine sort of the occult meets swinger party. I think that's a good way to describe it without giving away too much. It's great for the Halloween time frame, too. If I Tom Cruise walking around... Just taking in the sights, you can tell he's wide-eyed. He's never been in a situation like this, and he's just walking around. Popping his cherry in the swinger land, you could say. <laughs> Definitely. And there's there's a lot of naked women, men, there's, there's girl lesbian Girl on girl 69. Scene. There's a regular sex scene, people milling about. It's, it's quite erotic, quite enjoyable, not something you typically see in a movie, especially in the middle of the film. It definitely reminds me of swinger after parties. People are just going at it right there in front of everybody, and some people watching. More more people watching actually yep. in this scene, and, and some people indifferent and just chit chatting too. But so. the thing that makes it the, the thing about this scene that's actually makes it kind of creepy, along with being hot, is nobody's talking. They're all in masks and they're all in cloaks with pretty. Thought you weren't giving things away. Eh, that's not too much. That's not too much. It's setting the mood. If you decide to check it out, the regular cut of this film actually has people edited in front of the sex scene, so not quite as hot. Still hot. Not quite as hot. I definitely recommend you seek out the director's cut, which is explicit and not far from a softcore porn. But it's it's definitely a good scene. The whole movie's good. We highly recommend it. Even if you just want to check out the scene itself, it's, mm-hmm. it's worth it. Make but sure you check the whole out the movie's great. As, as JB mentioned, make sure you check out the uncensored version, which is available on. Um, they have the uncensored director's cut available on DVD and Blu-ray now. So make sure to check out that hot, sexy scene. All right, so let's wrap up our inaugural podcast. I hope you guys had as much fun listening to it as we did recording it, and I hope you continue to have fun in and out of the bedroom. I know we will. Follow us on Twitter at Swingin' Around, no G at the end of Swingin'. You can visit our blog, which is swingin-around.blogspot.com. Again, no G on the Swingin'. Please email us. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, concerns. We'd love to start a listener question segment. Our email is swingingaround at gmail.com, no G at the end of swinging. And finally, please subscribe to our podcast. We're at feeds.feedburner.com slash swingingaround. And as before, no G at the end of swinging. And we hope to be on iTunes soon, so look for us there. We should be posting a podcast about every other week or so, maybe sooner than that if we can. Look for episode two coming soon, and that's going to be about jealousy and fears involved with swinging. All right, everyone, stay sexy and stay swinging.